Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. It is not recommended that you take a position of unbelief and hold that thought long at all. It would not be healthy. But for a moment, if you might imagine that you do not, cannot believe in God, you are left with a life that will one day be completely erased, forgotten as nothing. This is not what you long for. It's not what anyone secretly holds in their hearts. All long for eternity. And Jesus has risen to let us know our longing is possible through faith in Him. It's a longing that rises up from deep within you, and it is a longing fixed in the desire for eternity. When Job cries out that in the grave, God would appoint a time when God would come back and remember him, what Job is asking for is that God would bring him back into life. The desire to be remembered by God is the desire to be retrieved by God in his memory and be brought back into life. And the reason why the idea of being forgotten is so stark and so offensive to us is to consider that there's no life beyond the grave means that there's nothing left for us but to be endlessly forgotten. It is the bitter lament of the author of Ecclesiastes. The author of Ecclesiastes looks at the world and in a sense considers it without God in bringing God into the mix. What does life mean if God is not there and there's no meaning with God in the background and in the foreground and undergirding us and in Chapter 2.16, this is what the author of Ecclesiastes says. For of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. This longing to be remembered, again, is a longing for something more than just a wish that someone will have your name on their lips in some future day, that some person might know something of your stories, that someone might chronicle the account of your life and someone might be able to pick it up and read it. It's a desire that the meaning of your life should endure. I don't recommend, again, that you look at your own death, but if you'll come to it and consider it without a belief in God, without a hope in eternity, all that you may know that lies ahead is to be forever forgotten. Your life will end in a blackness that will never go away. You'll have been a brief spark in an ever-expanding sea of nothingness. You'll have come from nothing, and you'll pass away into nothing, and your life will have amounted to nothing to be recalled. And you can't look at that as the future of another. For a moment, look up from your own grave and see the unending layer of time bearing you deeper and deeper into meaninglessness, deeper and deeper into forgetfulness. That is where your life is heading if there is no God and if there is not someone to remember you from the grave. And this is the inevitable death that confronted those disciples. And it is the inevitable death that confronts full in the face all of those who deny God. And if you meet it, and if you face it, and if for a moment 
apart from belief, just looking at it, if there is no God, and if there is no hope, and if the grave is just there to be swallowed up into the end of my days, it will begin to, if you contemplate it, it will rob you of all the joys of your life. For it will tell you that all the joys of your life have been lying to you. Every good thing that we experience now doesn't satisfy us. That's why it's so good. Every good thing that we experience when it's truly good makes us want more of it and more of it. Every spark of beauty we see makes us want more beauty than we see. Every experience of joy that we experience makes us want to have more joy than we know. Everything good in your life is pressing you on into eternity. Your heart seems to reach out to it and expand. It promises and calls you to something more and greater. But if all there is is the grave and a capstone of nothingness and endlessness, it's all a lie. It's all a lie. God has made us and awakened within us a desire as big as forever. And if there's no God, these desires go crashing in the grave and in there. And the oppression of being forever forgotten, of having your life count in the end as nothing, has been so bothersome to many that they have been willing to construct a future life forever in hell rather than impose upon themselves the thought of forever being annihilated and not existing at all. They would rather face unending feelings of the flames than to face the idea that their life meant nothing and means nothing. Oscar Wilde was a hedonist. He was a rallying point for individuals who wished to dive into every expression of self-pleasing sensuality. And yet when he was dying, he penned this fascinating poem. I wanted to read it to you. I think there's some poetic hyperbole here, but it expresses the heart of an individual who does not find salvation in God and has no real hope of God and doesn't believe in God, but yet finds himself longing for eternity nonetheless, even if that eternity is an eternity in hell. Facing death, he expresses his desire that his life would mean something that he could go on feeling. He writes this, Out from the midst, the mist I cry, let not my soul in numbness die. My life is furled in every limb, and my existence groweth dim. My senses all like weapons rust and lie in disuse and endless dust. I may not love, I may not hate. Slowly I feel my life abate. Oh, would there were a heaven to hear. Oh, would there were a hell to fear. Ah, welcome fire, eternal fire, to burn forever and not tire. Better Exion's whirling wheel and still at any cost to feel. Dear Son of God and mercy, give my soul to flame, but let me live. To lose all feeling and to fall into an endless nothingness is to shut out forever the great longing of the human soul. And so Oscar Wilde, though he could not trust in God for salvation, and though he may have been offering some kind of overstated poetry, still before his self-death is saying that he'd rather suffer in an unending hell and know that life had meaning and ongoing feeling than to have it end in nothing and be counted as nothing. Even Wilde had dreams of eternity of an endless reality. Here's a third point for you along this way. From this longing for meaning, God comes to us with promises to remember us. Let me read you some passages. Isaiah 49, verses 13 and 16. Isaiah 49, 13 and 16. 
Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Think of the Lord Jesus here. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls, your lives are continually before me. That's why Job prays that prayer that we read in Job 14, 13. O God, that you will hide me in the grave, that you will conceal me until your anger is past, that you would appoint for me a set time and then remember me. So David comforts himself in Psalm 17, verses 14 and 15. He speaks of those individuals who seek to have their fullness and their meaning only in this life. And he juxtaposes it against the one place in which he finds comfort himself. From men by your hand, O Lord, from men of the world whose portion is in this life, you fill their womb with treasure, they are satisfied with children, they leave their abundance to their infants. But that's not enough for David. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. In Psalm 16, David lays hold of the promise of God before his death, the promise of an enduring life. David is confronting his own death, but in it David sees that there's something more than his own death. David is prophesying of one that's coming after him. He's prophesying to one of his sons. He's prophesying of Jesus Christ. Paul and Peter will both refer to in lengthy sermons this passage I'm going to read to you to reference the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. But in this resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, David found his comfort, and we can as well. In Psalm 16, 10 through 11, we read this. For you will not abandon my soul to the grave, or let your Holy One see corruption. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. That's what's before me. Something endless. Something ongoing. And when the Lord Jesus was hanging upon the cross and He cried out in the misery of experiencing our death as our death was coming and being poured out upon Him, He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it didn't last. The time of God's appointed wrath against sin passed. A set hour that God had made came. And God remembered him in the grave. And God called him forth, and that's why we're here celebrating today. He would not allow his Holy One to see corruption. Janet Bance, in her poem, Out of the Ivory Palaces, describes it this way. He tasted death for every man. That full and bitter cup came to him from his father's hand, here in his love. But when the last drop had been drained, the overflowing heart of God breathed out the name, only a whisper, Jesus. God's quiet voice pierced to the substance of the earth, and from that grave death was cast out, and in that bright and justifying hour, my Lord arose, declared to be the Son of God with power. He was remembered. He came back to life. Here's the last point very quickly. Our dream of eternity, God's promise of eternity, was answered for those disciples the night that Jesus Christ 
walked into the room alive from the dead and said, peace be with you. Do you have anything to eat? Go ahead briefly and look down at your own death or up from it, I should say. Consider it without God and all that you will get is nothingness and meaninglessness and forgetfulness. It will be an insult to the deep longing of your hearts. But listen, Jesus walked into the room of those disciples and they were immersed into a life of unfailing hope and joy. They were immersed at that moment into the hope, the claim, the possession of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is alive today. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And here's what Jesus says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll come in to him. Do you have anything to eat? And I'll sup with him and he with me. It's a feast that you can enjoy. And we'll enjoy for all eternity. It's the feast of eternal life that you could only dream of. But by faith in him who died the death that you cannot avoid, he can give you the life you dreamed of, but cannot gain without him. Let's bow our heads. There is life, eternal life beyond the grave. Jesus rose to let us know and to take us there if we trust in him. This is the Bread of Life, a program of the International Missions Ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about our work abroad, go to cpeonline.org. And to learn about our associative fellowship in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until our next time together, may God bless you.